0: When they give that little brief testimony sometimes, and that person's going on about either being a single mom or the struggles or the divorce or the the abortion, listening for the people that have the boldness to be able to share a little bit, be there for them.
1: Stories stir the soul.
2: Stories reveal.
1: And stories heal.
2: In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough.
1: Real people, real stories, with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach, and Todd as a men's mentor,
2: we've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well, this could be your biggest breakthrough.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough, I'm Wendy Pett.
2: I'm Todd Isburner and today I really want you to lean in and listen well because our guest today is going to share some very profound and insightful keys for you when you're going through pain and Mm -hmm. what that pain might lead to. I think sometimes uh, we dismiss pain as just like a nuisance, hurry up, get out of my life and we don't see any real purpose in it, but our guest today is going to help us find that purpose. Uh, In addition to that, we're also going to find ways to become much more insightful and aware and sensitive to those who are lacking direction, struggling with depression, maybe are anxious and how that could make them vulnerable for certain addictions. Addictions, Right. Yeah. The the other thing too, is just Mm -hmm. in in the whole recovery process for those who go through recovery, he makes a clear distinction between um, sobriety solutions and soul restoration, and man, it's deep. It's it good. is.
1: It's very powerful. And you know, he really talks a lot about how um, if your pain is greater than your fear of changing, mm. then that's when most people will take the actions that they need to take in order to break the addiction and break through to the other side and get that soul restored. So, our guest today is is Craig Brown, and he is a speaker, recovery pastor of over two decades, and author of the book "Stop Hiding." start healing and is in addition uh his newly released online course as a companion to his book Uh, craig overcame a life of pain you're going to hear his story on the show today shame and destruction and um, he experienced a major life breakthrough that transformed his entire life thus transforming others he has served thousands uh through christ-centered recovery since 1999 Craig resides in the Washington, D.C. area with his wife and his three sons. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome, Craig Brown, to your biggest breakthrough. How are you doing today?
2: Really good. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Wendy, for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for those of you who are going to watch this on YouTube, you'll see behind him, uh, Stop Hiding start healing and uh so that's not an indication of anything that's going on in his set that's actually the title of his book <laughs> wendy's it's a great up. book great book and uh yeah it just it, it tells the story and gives all kinds of really helpful insights so uh so here's where we're going to start craig because looking at you and again i encourage people to go watch this on youtube you are a successful, handsome man, and it looks like you got everything Wait, together. Wait, are you hitting
1: on Craig? No, That's no, kind of no.
2: weird. I'm just saying. <laughs> I <I'm> just say <saying>, Anyway, <laughs> here's here's this here's the here's the thing that always strikes me. I mean, you 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 were successful when you started out. Uh, you were in a business. Uh, doing well, and then find out that the business is owned by one of the biggest cocaine dealers in the East Coast. <laughs> and, and yet you you sort of reek of success. That's not how people put uh, addicts together, if you will. So walk us through that. Um, you don't seem like you would have ever had that kind of an issue in your life. How did that all start?
0: Uh, because I hit, mm. you know, uh, which we all do uh when we don't feel that good about ourselves or we're in the midst of a season of life that is not productive or we feel like a failure or there's so much shame well we just hide you know we we put on the good face you know go about our day to day um and that's what i did i you know i I had no direction at all when i was uh i think i was 20 years old 20 21 years old when i took this job at this business um I had no direction. I'd, I had no mission and purpose, nothing. And I was really searching. I was just kind of lost. All my friends were off at Harvard and Duke and Yale and Tufts. And they were going, you know, they had their careers there uh, before them. I didn't. Uh, I was pretty much uh, a day-to-day guy, living day-to-day. And I got sucked up into that drug world because the owner of this business was. He was the biggest cocaine dealer at, at that time on the East Coast in Washington, D.C., and cocaine was everywhere, drugs were everywhere. It's just, it permeated everything in the early 80s, if you remember, and then it got into the crack and everything else, and now we're into meth, and now we're into uh, opioids and fentanyl and -and so-and-so. The enemy works, wreaks havoc with drugs, and it's just Mm -hmm. sad. But I um, just got into this pit of darkness. I did, and I operated in that for, excuse me, a very long time. And You know, it was, so I, excuse me, I've experienced, you know, just deep depression, darkness, sadness, grief, loss, uh, you know, shame and guilt and pain uh, all throughout this season I was in. And little did I know that when my friends were off ready to be prepped and educated for a career, I was doing the same thing. Mm. I was doing the same thing because that's what I do now, you know, in this season of my life. Little did I know I'd ever write a book. Little did I know I'd ever be involved in christ Center recovery ministry for two decades. Little did I know that the brokenness and every bit of pain that I experienced was being used so I could be on this show with you today. And the Lord already had it all mapped out. When you look back, it's phenomenal. I was just on the phone with a dear friend of mine that was struggling a minute ago, and uh, and we kind of talked about that. I said, don't overlook You know, despite what you're going through, don't ever, and he loves the Lord, don't ever overlook what you are going through and mistake it for failure. You are being, you're being equipped. And that's really what happened, as you mentioned, back in the early 80s. And uh, here I am today, blessed beyond measure to be with you both.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, okay. So you, you mentioned a minute ago that you didn't really have direction. You felt lost. You didn't have a purpose. Tell us about maybe just even your family life. Did you not have direction there with your, with your parents? And, um, let's talk a little bit about your upbringing.
0: Dad was a minister. My dad was uh, a narcissist. My dad had a bunch of demons. Hmm. What I saw in the pulpit was not what my sisters and I saw behind closed doors night and day. Wow. Night and day, people adored him, loved him, but he would go help them in a heartbeat and let us suffer. That's just what narcissists do. As, but as far as I knew, normal family.
1: I wonder how many PK kids would be sharing a similar story.
0: Ninety percent of them, probably. Matter of fact, the guy I was on the phone with a minute ago, PK kid. And there's a and there's a fraternity out there, and it, it's you know not all. But there's a majority of us, when you're really young and your whole life revolves around your dad and making him look good, you have no identity. You have no identity whatsoever. My identity was, you better be good. You better be good and you better not act up in and, and, and church or do this or that. That's just too much pressure to put on a kid. And that's all we really knew. We had to be on, you know, for Father Brown. And so that's really the in a nutshell thinking. Everything was really good at, in early years, and oh yeah, the ch- I loved church life. By the way, loved it.
1: You said Father Brown, so Catholicism? No,
0: uh, Episcopal. I Episcopal. was a J.V. Catholic. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. that's what they call gotcha. it, J.V. Catholics. Okay, uh, gotcha. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, the Episcopal Church. Yeah, so yeah, he was a uh, an Episcopal minister. So how yeah. in the world did you make that jump from growing up in a home where? I don't know how else to put it. Hypocrisy seemed to be the norm. Uh, so you, that was certainly modeled for you. Now you're in your early twenties, not having any clue what direction you're headed, seeing the the inconsistency of church life and real life. how did you make that transition into your own faith journey? Where did that start and how?
0: First chapter of my book is when the pain is greater than your fear. Okay. You'll never, ever change in your life and till your pain in your life whatever that may be is greater than your fear of changing all throughout the early 20s and and late 20s and what have you my dad became ill after a while um he had a number of medical issues and and for the first time in his life he was vulnerable for the first time in his life he was dependent you ask about the change well the day the day after I, I, first of all, I had an epiphany in 85 and I extricated myself from the drug world and I began, I, to move away and quit drinking and doing drugs. I did that. But over the last, over the next six years, which secular recovery, uh, is so myopic and doing helping to get sober and clean, my soul was wrecked, Mm. just wrecked. So I had all this pain, this everything, the trauma that I had gone through that I had never dealt with before, and it built up, built up, built up, built up. And this is where the mistake secular recovery makes, and that is they're so myopic in sobriety and abstinence, and thinking that's it. Man, good. You got 30 days, six years, twenty years. What about the what about all the trauma and you know, the pain and the guilt and the shame you left though? Yeah. Have you dealt with that? Why well, hadn't? Time. Yeah. So I hadn't. So My sister called and said, dad's ill and they may not make it. Now, here's the guy. I really wasn't, I didn't have, I loved him. Don't get me wrong. Loved him. My dad. We weren't really that close. But it shook me to my core because she says he may die. And we have to get to the intensive care unit. So I rushed there to the hospital. And I stood by his bed. And I'm looking at him. And he's gasping. And he's trying to, they're trying to save his life and it would only be a matter of hours the doctor said well this is where god is so interesting he brought me to the bedside of the one guy i longed for to have a relationship with and i was about to lose him and that was it Mm. that was it immediately became greater than my fear of changing it changed my entire perspective and i didn't have anybody lead me in a prayer i didn't have anybody Uh, uh, mentor me. I did have a daily word that my mother had sent me that I was reading for like a number of months prior, but I just, the next day I cried out to God and I said that I just can't take it anymore. Cannot take it anymore, God. You're going to, my dad's going to die. I feel like a complete failure. I'm full of this pressure and this pain, this shame, and I, I don't, I've heard of you. I, I I I don't know how to do this, but I cried out and I said, "Take over my life, come into my life, and be my Lord and Savior." And it was miraculous.
1: That is so beautiful.
0: I this is a person that was not that was churched in a mainline denomination where they did not preach about grace and mercy and relationship and love and the cross and Jesus, and but the seed, but there were you know seeds that have been planted blossomed as soon as I surrendered, and I said, "I, I, I can't do it. Take away my pain. Take That's away it. this. Take." And he did. At that very moment, my recovery—I mean, it was miraculous. Yeah. My recovery began on that day, and I immersed myself. My girlfriend at the time, who then became my fiance, who's just who's my wife after thir- as of thirty years last week. Congratulations! You ah, we're in the contemporary worship. We immersed ourselves in. She was already a believer. She just j- joke about, "Oh, I, I rescued this Episcopalian." Anyway, she <laughs> helped me greatly. Uh, we went to you know uh, wonderful church, and I just became immersed in God's Word. I became immersed in recovery, uh, redemption, um, you know, healing, restoration, freedom and i just took everything that i went through in my own life and i just promised god i you know i said uh, i've been i've been in different careers financial wise to make money to be able to do what i do here but i said i you know i know this is my stream i need to be flowing in for you Mm -hmm. and i've been doing that ever since that day
2: well and it's one of the reasons too i think just because of your own pain and your experience you're able to Counsel others about how God is going to use those pains as some real gains in their lives, because it's obvious in your life. But I'm curious about something because what, what you say is so profound when the pain is greater than the fear of change. That's when you become open. That's when you cry out. I just I'm I'm curious because people with addictions obviously so centered around themselves and their own pain. The but- ripple effect. Right. But the others around them are very much in pain as well because of that. And is there any awareness at all to the pain of others? No. um, When one is uh, in bondage
0: to an addiction, it's selfish, totally selfish. Your entire, every waking hour is uh, manipulated by, uh, structured by, how am I going to make it through this day? I'm tired of everybody Everybody around me trying to tell me what to do and how to think. Um, and I I hear them, uh, you know, I know that I think they love me, but I don't, my false reality, my false reality that I operate in yeah. is a total opposite of what their reality is. The people that surround the person that struggles there are some that are, have been through, you know, their own challenges and whatsoever. And it, it's really challenging. Well, the biggest um, <clears throat> heartbreakers for me was when I would be caring for someone and their parents, you could just see the sadness, the sadness in the in the eyes of the loved ones who are witnessing their loved one on this path of destruction, and they feel completely hopeless. Yeah. And it's a it's very, very difficult. Um, but and that's what I tell families to pray for. I say they pray for that desperation moment in their life. Pray for that moment, like similar to what I had and what millions have, where they are shaken to the core.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And they realize that if I don't change, I'm gonna I'm gonna die. Now, some people are so deep that they life or death means nothing to them. Mm. You know, there are varying degrees of people all throughout varying degrees of people that struggle all. I mean, you have Judas, we know what happened to him, Peter and the others. We know their own defects and struggles that they have. It's been there ever since.
1: And that's one of the things that I want to talk about, because you say yourself, you say that you really want to help people. Uh, understand that they need to stop going to church to hide and start going to church to heal. And when I read that, I was like, I just want to, you know, drop an amen to that or drop the mic because absolutely that is the place for healing. Let's talk more about that. And how many people are actually really going to church and they're, they're suffering, right? They're struggling.
0: They are. And that's why that, that was how the Lord really inspired me to title the book because of my, two decades of seeing people continue to go to church right just just dragging their shame with them marriage is good we're the family we're here we're serving we're on the worship team we're in leadership they're an elder you know they're doing all these things in church and what happens is you know they just go through the motions and they just when everything's over they drag their shame back out to the parking lot yeah and then they do have a big sigh of relief where i got through another sunday and i didn't have to tell anybody that my life is in complete turmoil
1: right what a what a horrible place to to be in and so what would you tell that person that maybe they're listening and Man, that's them. That resonates with them. What would be the first thing that you would tell them to do so that they can have freedom and not feel that way any longer?
0: Well, understand where your shame comes from. Number one, it comes straight from the pit of hell. What people don't understand uh, that is if the enemy was allowed in the most precious place of paradise, the Garden of Eden, if you think that he's not allowed in your marriage, your home, your business, or your church, You're fooling yourself, you're just fooling yourself. So I go to church on a regular basis, I'm into this small group, that small group, this and this, and that's great. Bless your heart, absolutely you should be doing that. (laughs) But the enemy wants nothing more to continue to crush you. And he wants nothing more to inhibit you and keep you in bondage to telling others at the one place God created for the very thing for us to do, and that is find Healing, you know, salvation, healing. But people are are afraid. Pastors are. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't think that pastors are afraid. Or if I mention my, you know, what I'm going through, or if I'm honest about this, I'll lose. We'll lose members, or we'll lose
2: this, or we'll lose that. Craig, it's kind of a two sided coin because on the, on the one hand, those who have the struggles need to find a way to feel. Like there's a place of healing and hope inside the church. But for those who are, what about those of us who go to church and we see all the smiling faces around us? How do we go about finding out, recognizing, becoming more sensitive and aware that the person next to me smiling might be struggling deeply? Is there anything you can suggest that we start to do inside of our churches to heighten our awareness to those who are struggling with any kind of mental issue or emotional issue or addiction?
0: I pray for uh often uh Holy Spirit eyes and ears. Holy Spirit, eyes and ears. And when you're in that small prayer group, when you're in just listening, we're 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 so busy. We and, and the church should be the one place where the uh where the Holy Spirit reigns, and that is to be used as soon as we wherever we're going, to be used. And, and not just church, but you know, on your phone calls and in your business or at the store or in your small group or whatever, just being attentive to Present. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. People, people, it's interesting. I just see the people, um, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit. No, no, it's the power that raised Lazarus is available um, to every single person. And the woman that touched the garment, it, it, the same power can heal Um But you have to listen you have to be observant of people and not intrusive there's a real and this is where people this is why people often hide in church because they're i love them love them to death but there are a lot of people in churches that think they know their life your life better than you do and i love them i love them you know but churches are full of them and that's another reason why people hide you're right not all churches are equipped now, you, you're familiar with Celebrate Recovery, I'm sure, and the Celebrate Recovery was birthed through the brokenness of John Baker at Saddleback Church, and now it's everywhere around the world as an alternative to secular recovery. It's christ Center recovery. Twelve steps are the same, and the principles and everything else are very similar. But what's different is it's a soul restoration ministry, yes. not a sober and sobriety ministry. Mm. So mm-hmm. sobriety and abstinence are a byproduct of doing the work. Yeah. Psalm 23. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul, mm-hmm. and then then I go on a path of righteousness.
1: Good, right?
0: You see, a lot of churches are, are do the opposite. Come, be join, be join, mm-hmm. come and come and come and you know and, and be educate and then go and go. But what about the brokenness and the pain and the shame and the guilt? <gasps> So a lot of churches aren't equipped for it, but if they have a Celebrate Recovery, that's a perfect place for someone to go. But at the same time, recognizing people without being intrusive is just being attentive.
2: Yeah, that's good. And it's like,
0: Lord, Lord, if you so choose to use me, if you so choose to use me to make me available to someone that you know, that you've brought that may be struggling, may I be there and be available? And it's, really it and okay. and you know the best place to listen are at a bapt when baptism services when they give that little brief testimony sometimes and that person's going on about be- either being a single mom or the struggles or the divorce or the, the abortion or the other things listening for the people that have the boldness to be able to share a little bit be there for them
1: yeah, that so uh,
2: that, that's so, it's so simple and yet so profound. It's just like, open up your eyes, mm-hmm. Listen. ask God to see what he sees and then, and then just move out. So it's really kind of getting your eyes off yourself and onto others.
1: Yeah. So yes, yeah, God. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not to be just narcissistic. Work. So,
2: yeah. so
1: here, here's the thing. Um, this, as this episode drops, it's dropping in May and May is a uh, mental health awareness month, along right. with other awarenesses for this month, but mental health. And we have a, a mental health crisis going on in the world currently. I mean, talk about opening your eyes. You can see it everywhere. So um, if if I almost, I mean, I'm kind of making a statement more than more than a question, but if you're not opening your eyes and seeing what's going on and responding, um, there's a problem. Like we need to have courage and boldness to to just be, not to intrude, like you said, but just to be a safe space for someone to. To unload on right
0: the church hasn't done real well in addressing mental mental illness you know um over two decades of being in christ center recovery ministry practically everyone that is coming in to some degree there's some there may be a, a portion of mental illness and mental health i'm certain for that sure. you know not everybody but i don't think the church feels really equipped some do hmm. i know uh some churches you know uh will target it but not everyone uh and the church should be the first place one goes but with that said you know we could take this in a, in a in many different directions when it comes to mental health in our yeah. country people that are not well uh, well the back way up uh there's been a battle between good and evil you know since the garden chapter three so genesis chapter three so we shouldn't be surprised those that are not spirit-filled or uneducated are, are shocked oh my gosh but none of us in the in the church should be really surprised that there's a right. battle between good and evil going. Right. And that battle between good and evil, the enemy is just wreaking havoc on lives over and over and over again. So you know you have hurt people doing really bad things out there, mm-hmm. and the prayer end. You know uh, until you get to the the root issue, which is mental illness, and no one's and it's a, also a heart issue and a soul issue. As a country, we're just going to bounce around the symptoms all for years, which we've been doing. Get to the root issue. Join the church and
2: together get to the root issue and help people right where they are in suffering. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out, because I think sometimes we just sort of we kind of just overlook the fact that there is a battle between good and evil, that there is a real devil. Who is on whose agenda is to to wreak havoc and, and destruction and remove people from relationship with God. So it really it starts there. And I think, as you said earlier, if you have the eyes of the Holy Spirit to see and the ears to hear, you'll recognize the spiritual battle. Craig, before we let you go, I want I want you to just hit on something for us because I think there may be some parents or even grandparents listening who who have a loved one in their family, who they see, like what you described earlier when you were in your early 20s, They see lack of direction. They see boredom. They see depression. They seem almost they they see like a darkness around their son or their daughter or their grandchild, and they don't know what to do. And they don't realize that that person is right now in a very vulnerable place of being open up to the wrong influences and addictions. Can can you help that parent or that grandparent or that friend find out ways to? And I've recognized this area of dark and depression and directionless, What do I do? How do I help them so they don't go down that path of addiction? Because what can so many I do? people
1: are afraid to even go there thinking it's going yeah. to cause them to be triggered to go worse, right? and Into a worse uh, depression or whatever. So what would you say?
0: Yeah, it's true. But um, I forgot where I read this, but um, I was just reading some research and um, one of the uh one of the points that was made is that the uh, the youth there's certain segment demographic, said they wish their parents had disciplined them more uh we already know what the bible says about holding discipline but at the same time we have to understand too post COVID, that young that demographic i mean goodness look what's happening in our that demographic uh it's wreaking havoc on them you know, uh, suicide rates are up. I mean, uh, you know, uh, depression, anxiety. I was talking to a real good counselor I know, and she goes, Craig, that I'm seeing so many young people now, so many young people that are really, really strong They're lost. They're really lost. They have no motivation, they have no mission and purpose. But to the families, you have to be observant, look for the patterns, the different patterns, isolation, number one anger moody uh friendships new ones all of a sudden it's like who are these people uh just um sleeping patterns other th- there is so many different patterns but it's the la- the one thing that the last thing you want to do is is be silent here's a phrase that i tell parents to use all the time with their kids don't make it about you 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 come to them and say help me understand what you're going through good. help me understand why are you so angry mm. just talk to me yeah be, you that's know be, be the bible talks about restoring gently and there are situations if they're in your home that you have to talk they have to put down conditions and different action plans and things like that that's okay um but at the same time Come from a place of empathy, come from a place of encouragement, come from a place of, of anything, love and abundance of that. As your mom or dad or grandparent or friend, help me understand. Talk to me at a heart level and let me know really what's going on. I don't know. I can't change you or fix you. I can't, but I'll be there to love you every step of the way.
1: That's Mm -hmm. good, Craig. And you know, with the, um, brokenness of the family unit, that's where that could be a whole nother conversation where the disconnect is happening too with the younger generation, because they may get that support from one side and not the other. And there's anger issues there. I mean, there's so much, right? But you explain so much just through your own story and you just have a heart to help others through their, through their, um, stuck points and you want to see people set free. And so I thank you so much for writing, stop hiding and start healing. And the subtitle is discover how to be set free from the pain and shame of your past so that you can live a life of freedom, meaning and purpose. And so we thank you for for heeding the call to your purpose and turning what could have been just uh, a really bad road and direction uh, and what could, you know, looks like failure quote unquote to what God is using for for his greater good. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks
2: for your passion and your inspiration. You're helping light fires. (laughs) Yeah. Appreciate that a lot, man.
1: Thank you so much for being on your biggest breakthrough. Where can people go to get your book, Stop Hiding and Start Healing?
0: Well, it's available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, just Stop Hiding, Start Healing, Craig Brown. I have a website, uh, my own personal website, craigdbrown.com, craigdbrown.com. And you can uh, find it there as well. Personally.
1: Perfect. We will all do that. So thank you, Craig, so much. God bless you. And uh, keep fighting the good fight. Will do.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks so much.
1: Love having Craig on the show today. You know, it's, it's always interesting because when we have different guests on, they're always coming from different perspectives. They've just had this unique journey that, that they've lived and and God doesn't waste our pains. No, you know? not at
2: all. In fact, he encourages others when they are in pain. Yeah. Not to just wallow in that or even dismiss it as being sort of pointless because God will use it yeah. if we're available we to him ourselves. and if we allow him to do that. Yes, yes. You can see that's exactly what's happening in Craig's life. He's been doing this for over 20, 25 years, yeah. and he's still got the same passion so badly wants to help people break through the things that are holding them back Experience. Freedom and causing these addictions. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good. Well, again, go to craigdbrown.com or get Stop Hiding, Start Healing on amazon.com. There we go. I don't want to cover up his name if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are uh, looking for a place that is safe to go and get uh, mentorship, um, Todd does this with men. He he helps men uh, master their faith, their family, their fitness, and their finances. And you can go to ToddIsburner.com. And I do the same with women. So uh, check that out if you're looking to get uh, in a better place with your health and. And, uh, and just mind, body, spirit, go to wendypet.com, but we appreciate you tuning into this episode of your biggest breakthrough. Um, make sure you share and, um, catch us the next time right here, head on over to your biggest com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment. And we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.